Hey friends, Rich here from Unseminary. Is your church looking at expanding this year? Are you looking at maybe helping a church plant get out and launch on its own? Or maybe you're looking at launching a multi-site maybe in 2023 or 2024? I want you to reach out to our friends at Portable Church. You see, one of the things that we know is that most new church plants and multi-site campuses end up in some sort of setup, teardown, portable situation. And you could try to do it on your own, but you know what? You will save money if you talk to and time and burnout of your volunteers. If you talk to a strategic outsider, and that's what our friends over at Portable Church are all about. They're about helping you expand your ministry to go beyond your one location, whether it's through planting a campus or launching a church plant. Church planners who focus on building their core team and partner with the portability experts at Portable Church Industries hit the ground running and make a bigger impact long-term. Can we have some real talk here for a second? You might be able to save more in the short term if you do this yourself, but believe me, I've seen this so many times. Churches that try to do this themselves who don't have a strategic outsider like Portable Church end up wasting money, burning out volunteers, uh, and really lose focus, particularly in that first year when it really is all about building that core team. So this is what I want you to do. If you are thinking about launching a new church plant or a campus in the next six months to 36 months, I want you to reach out to portablechurch.com forward slash unseminary today. That is portablechurch.com forward slash unseminary today. If you're looking at planting in the next six to 36 months. Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Hey friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in. We've got a different kind of episode today. Um, I've got my friend Katie Cole, a return guest, which you know whenever we have a return guest, that's a good thing, but it's a different kind of episode. But let me tell you a little bit about Katie. Katie uh, is an incredible leader. She uh, spent 16 years at Christ Fellowship in Palm Gardens, Florida, leading a whole variety of uh, areas. The church grew from about 3,500 to over 20,000, which is incre incredible. Um, she, a number of years ago, stepped out and leads her own organization called Katie Cole and Company. Uh, she's had key roles with organizations like Leadership Network, Replenish, Replenish Ministries, Multisite Solutions. Uh, she has a passion to help church leaders who want to do a better job, particularly on developing female leadership talent within their congregation. So super excited to have Katie on because she, we got chatting. And so this is a little bit weird, but we got chatting and she's said, hey, Rich, I'd love to interview you on your podcast about that. And I was like, that sounds amazing. So so happy to have you on the show, Katie. Welcome or happy for you to have me. I don't know how this works. Yes, I'll take over the host microphone now. So yeah, <laughs> exactly. thank you so much, Rich, for letting me come in here. Yeah, I, I'm just always so fascinated as I work with churches and particularly male leaders around this topic of how do we do a better job developing female leaders, the talent mm. that God's brought to our churches or even in our lives. And really, male leaders are a huge piece of kind of shifting the conversation of that over opening doors for women, uh, mm. equipping, mentoring, challenging, sponsoring. I write a lot about all those different kinds of ways that men really have the power and they 
many ways hold the keys. And you're such a champion of women. You've certainly been a champion for me. You've opened doors for me. I know you've done that for a lot of other women and a lot of other churches and places and even on this podcast. And so I'm really curious to hear about your story in this topic, Mm -hmm. Uh, what it was like for you. When did you realize this was kind of an issue? How have you navigated that? Um, Mm -hmm. What are some things you're still working on? So that's what I want to talk to you about today. And I have a feeling your listeners are going to be fascinated by what we learned. (laughs) Well, thanks. I'm looking forward to it as well. This is, uh, I was just looking up, this is episode 747. And we've only done this once before with my good friend, Carrie Newhoff. So uh, I feel a little bit nervous, to be honest. I was like, (laughs) I was saying to Christine, my wife, I'm a little bit nervous. I don't know. What's she going to ask? How's it going to go? But yeah, no, this is a topic I am passionate about and super honored uh, to get a chance to kind of chat with you today. Great. Well, Rich, why don't we start by kind of taking us back to the beginning. Talk to us about the context in which you grew up that informs so much of our ideas and frameworks mm-hmm. around gender, who we are, who people of the opposite sex are, and how those rules kind of play out, particularly in our faith. So kind of fill us in on mm-hmm. the context you grew up in, um, some of the the things that when you look back now, you sort of are like, huh, that's different than maybe how I think now, and here's how I got there. Yeah, great question. So um, when we were younger, uh, like, you know, like when I was in elementary school, that sort of thing. Um, we went to church, but it was not, um, it wasn't like a, it was a definitely a cultural experience. I would say, you know, our family had this kind of great awakening at one point, um, where, you know, church and kind of the things of Jesus went from, those are interesting ideas that it wasn't like we disagreed with them. It wasn't that we were like, Oh, it, it just wasn't a huge deal to us. And and we were, my, my dad moved a lot when I w- we were kids and in every couple of years he would move to a new place and, or we'd move to a new place and they were super brand loyal to their uh, particular slice of Christian world. And we would just literally go to the, whatever the church was the closest, the kind of brand that we always went to. And we were just about to move at one point And, uh, the minister at our church had an affair with another minister. And that was uh, pretty profound for my parents. Um, they were like, oh, whoa, like maybe we should really maybe take some time to consider when we move the next time, what church we should go to. Cause they felt kind of a little bit burned by that. And it's a very Jesus kind of story. Cause he's good at taking bad things and making them great. And that was obviously a bad thing. Uh, but in our little family, it was, it was a great thing. We, we literally were just moving and um, my parents did end up going and looking at a number of different churches. I remember that as a kid, I was like, this is like, you know, I'm in the, you know, grade eight, you know, that kind of timeline. And um we we ended up at this one church that was this great Presbyterian church, in, you know, in hindsight, and it's great evangelical Presbyterian church. And I remember distinctly two things. First of all, they they talked about the Bible like it was true, which was new was a new experience. Like it was like, <laughs> oh, like they think this thing's actually true. And then they prayed like it was actually stuff was going to happen. Like that was, and even as like a, as an eighth grader, that really did kind of stick with me. And it was really there that God got a hold of our, our entire family's life. And I would say that's where we became Christians. I, I, that I think ties into this because even from early days, the church that we were a part of, there were, there were women in leadership. That was a part of the equation of what was going on there. Um, now, uh, kind of over the time, uh, you know, we shifted, we, we moved again, like as always happens, we moved um, a couple years later and um, we went, and this struck me. So this is now I'm in high school, you know, my parents go to 
um, the, the minister at our church and we say, hey, we're moving to this other town. This is all pre-internet, right? And they're like, hey, can you help us find a church in the new community? And so he goes and and I don't know what he did, like calls people. What did you do before the internet? I don't know what they did. So they, and he comes back to my <laughs> parents. These things called the yellow pages, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But he, he comes back to them and he says, you know what? You shouldn't go to the Presbyterian church in, in the town there. And at the time I didn't, you know, like, I don't know what all that means. Um, but he's like, there's this great church and it was a Christian and missionary Alliance church. It was a different, a totally different denomination. And even as like a, as a grade nine kid, that really like struck me that here was this guy suggesting, hey, you should go somewhere different. Um, and because he was like, I think you'll find that is more. And, you know, I didn't have the language for this at the time, but it was like that would probably more align with, you know, your experience here, what they teach about the Bible than necessarily the Presbyterian Church did in the town we were moving into. Um, now, that kind of started the trajectory, leadership change trajectory, where I've spent most of my time, ironically, not in kind of more mainline churches. I've spent more of my time in what we would call, you know, more of the, well, eventually the kind of evangelical non-denominational world. That's where I've spent most of my time. But I, I do think those early years did impact uh, particularly the gender thing. And the other thing, too, in I went to, I did go to Bible college, like I was one of those people. And the Bible college I went to is fantastic. It's a, a school in Canada called Tyndale. And they're they're proudly what they call transdenominational. And they celebrate the fact that people come from a wide variety of, of backgrounds. And that was really formative to me because I, I um, early on didn't... Um, like I was kind of like engendered in me, in my leadership that like, we should celebrate people who look at the Bible differently. <laughs> like where I think mm. there's, that isn't necessarily the case with lots of people where I think there are people that are like, if you're not from my tribe, you're not from my narrow group, then I can't, I, we can't work together. And so, um, very early on. And then I, I took a great, uh, class, um, professor Elizabeth Daly, Dr. Daly's class on gender in school. I was thinking about this, preparing for this. I'm like, wait, where did that and I still actually have the textbook. It's one of the few textbooks I kept. Um, her class really impacted me because I would say that was the first time that I actually thought about this issue that I was like, oh, like, yeah, okay, there are people who who think, um, you know, who are trying to maybe limit women's abilities to lead. Um, that was like a even like a new idea, even at that point. I was like, oh, whoa, that's interesting. Like, okay, this is something to think about. And that you know, that for sure, her class, that class impacted my thinking around this whole area. Obviously, we got into all the theological stuff, um, but it, it impacted even just practically how we, how we, even just, even how my wife and I have our marriage. Like there was stuff that came out of that class around how she, because she was, it was all this kind of sidebar stuff around how her and her husband managed their kind of relationship that ended up impacting even how Christine and I manage our relationship. So those would be a few things, I think, from my early years that impacted my thinking around and just leadership around um, gender. Interesting. That That's so fascinating to me because there's a few things I want to highlight from your story. First of all, you moved around a lot, which means mm -hmm. there was diversity even in the kind of cultures you were a part of, the kind of schools you were a part mm -hmm. of, the neighborhoods you lived in, the ways families operated. And we do know that in different areas of the country or in North America and different areas of the world, mm -hmm. for sure, cultures mm -hmm. look at gender differently, even Bible-believing, mm -hmm. really scholarly people. We have different views around gender in our culture. And mm -hmm. so that probably even uh, maybe shook anything that was sort of like locked in as a paradigm. Every time you mm -hmm. move, you kind of get a new paradigm about those things. And then, mm -hmm. uh, like you said, some of these um, more experiences in churches and dynamics, this class, all of those things really form our view around this. And all of us carry biases 
along mm. in life that we're mm -hmm. uh, unaware of. You know, hopefully we spend time thinking and praying and experiencing things that kind of bring insight and awareness to those. Uh, but we have mm -hmm. seen that people ha who have a broad variety of diverse experiences tend to have more insight around those, obviously, just because you get exposed uh, to so many mm. things. Uh, when you <laughs> um, kind of look back on your leadership journey then, like in ministry leadership, maybe in Bible college or your first couple pastoral leadership roles, when did you realize that gender was kind of like a dynamic in your leadership? Like how, mm. as you're leading a meeting or that maybe there are women on your team that have different backgrounds than you. And so they're coming and showing up to the table differently. Or there are men who maybe have different views than you and they're uh, treating women differently or, or just that it's a thing. I think sometimes mm -hmm. people don't realize it's mm -hmm. a thing. And then you sort of go, man, there's something here that's affecting mm -hmm. us. And mm -hmm. it's hard to put your finger on until you all of a sudden you uncover it and you're like, wow, this is actually sucking a lot of time and energy from our productivity. Yeah, that's great. Great question. So I, I'd love to say it was like super early on. I really understood this. Um, but actually it was, it was one of these examples of like a small thing that has had like weird, weird disproportionate impact on my thinking. Um, I was serving at a, a great church in the Toronto area and uh, there was a, a leader who I deeply respected. It's probably 10 years older than me. It was just a little bit farther down the, the road. And it was, a, this is like a silly, stupid, small thing, but it really did impact me. We were, we were having a staff lunch. So at this point, our staff probably had 30 or 40 people on it. I was a part of the senior leadership team. This other individual was also a part of this guy named Daryl was also, you know, part of the senior leadership team. And um, we were just getting, you know, pulling everything together, getting this lunch ready. And, um, you know, the way it was being served was it was like, you know, there's all this food sitting out. And then there was a couple people standing behind the counter serving the meal. And uh, there was, I think, maybe two or three people standing behind the, the counter. And again, super small detail. But Daryl, he said to there was um, uh, one one of our assistants was standing there about to start serving out the meal. And he said to her, hey, 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 is it okay if I don't have you do that? Is it okay if I step in? Because I just don't always want it to be like, you know, there's always a woman who's handing out the food. Um, and mm. I, it struck me. I was like, that is an interesting um, observation, you know, that, it, and although, you know, it was a, it was a small thing and it was a, um, it was a visual thing. Uh, but it, I would say that was one of those early things that I was like, oh yeah, that's interesting. Like even just who serves the meal, who is like the person that's always handing stuff out, um, it can be perceived, can, can say something without us ever saying anything. Mm -hmm. And so I've often thought back to that moment that, oh, something turned in me that I was like, oh, I need to pay more attention to this. You know, I respected Daryl. I still respect Daryl. He's a great leader. Um, you know, and, and it, even though it was a small thing and then you start to notice it, right. Then you're like, Oh, here's a guy I, I lead. And I notice it's not just about handing out food. There's all kinds of things in his ministry where he's trying to find ways to honor, um, you know, provide opportunity for speak highly of, um, you know, uh, you know, cutting down other guys if they're like, Hey, you shouldn't be making a joke like that. That's not a great joke. Um, you know, those kinds of things hmm. that, um, that, you know, I had definitely had an influence on me for sure. Um, and that was, you know, that's in my, you know, kind of in those first 10 years of ministry that, mm -hmm. that definitely stood out as one of those, um, 
kind of turning. I points. love the intentionality of that. And those mm-hmm. things really do. First of all, it says something really significant to that woman and mm-hmm. it gives an example to people like you and other people who are watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other thing is, and we've talked about this before, uh, the last time we chatted about this is just how easy it is for our leadership decisions or our cultures or kind of our habits and practices don't always exactly match our theology. And mm-hmm. most people are picking up on our theology from what they see, not mm-hmm. necessarily just from what we teach. And oftentimes we don't mm-hmm. teach on this topic because it is kind of mm-hmm. controversial and it's not something you want to you know, be talking about every other month. And so... Mm-hmm. Uh, Those intentional movements really do carry a lot of weight. They have ripple effects. And it's also really encouraging. I think it's things all of us can do, right? It's things Mm -hmm. all of us Mm -hmm. can be more aware of our surroundings, more aware of the way we program something or the way a meeting operates or who we delegate to without even thinking about it. We can really cause some ripple changes and bring more awareness just with that sort of intentionality. Well, yeah. And I love, so the other thing, so there was not, I don't, like it was, I think there was just the three of us standing there. Like there wasn't a whole big, it wasn't like he made a big show of it. Right. It wasn't yep. like a, Hey, and this is Daryl. Like he's, that's him to a T he's like, he's an amazing leader. Um, and is always trying to, you know, he's always one of these guys always trying to lift other, lift other people up, which is great. But it, you know, it was one of those, mm, Oh wow. Like that's an interesting, you know, it was a kind gesture, uh, and, and incredibly true right like that it's it's one of those like oh yeah like i would have if it's always if it's always women handing out the food that may not that may subtly communicate something that we don't want to mm-hmm. communicate mm-hmm. rich what would you say is one of your biggest lessons or stories about how leadership experiences can be different for men and women well so this is in a similar time frame um a couple of years before the the lunch um i uh you know, our church was growing. We were, our church, very similar. We have a similar, our, your, my backgrounds, we have a very similar kind of background. We started doing multi-site before we called it multi-site. Like it was, it was, we were doing this. We didn't even know what to call it. We're doing this thing 35 minutes away. And um, I was aware that I had heard through the grapevine, this is like, or this is 2000, 2001. I had heard through the grapevine that Willow Creek was doing something similar but I didn't, I didn't really know. And I didn't know anyone at Willow at the time. And so I literally dialed, you'll get a kick out of this as a Gen Xer. I literally dialed 411. Like I was like, I don't know their <laughs> phone number. I dialed 411 and I'm like Willow Creek in, and I think I even said somewhere in Chicago, like I don't, I don't even know where, where it was. And so eventually I got through and, and got to the, the person that answered the phone. And I, and I explained this, I said, you know, there's our church is doing this thing. I think you guys are doing something similar who can I talk to? And they're like, oh yeah, 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 that's right. There's this guy, Jim, you should talk with Jim. I'm like, great, put me through to Jim. And so I get, uh, Jim didn't answer his phone. It went to his voicemail. And I, I said like, Hey, I explained a little bit about our church. I'd love to chat. And here's my email address. Um, and so he emails me back. And so then I say this crazy thing. I said, Hey, I would love to come and spend a week with you. Can I, uh, like I'll fly down. I said, you, I, you don't need to do anything. Like I'll just follow you around. I'll follow your team around. I'll sit in on whatever meetings you don't, uh, you don't need to book anything specific. I just want to kind of soak in everything I can. And he's like, so we get on the phone eventually. And he's like, that's a bit odd. Um, but <laughs> sure. If you want to do that, that's fine. And so you still remember we went down in like October and it was initially at the beginning of the week. Uh, like it was literally, I just followed, I just following his people around. He just, he has just gave me a bunch of meetings and we sat in and all that. Well, eventually we start talking and 
you know, by the end of the week, he's like, Hey, why don't you come over to my house and we'll have dinner and we're, we're hanging out. And, um, and you know, I ended, I didn't up staying at his place, but was there for quite a bit. And, you know, we, we became fast friends. Now for friends that are listening, you see how these two things are intersect. I would say it took me 15 years after that event before I realized something happened at that, Mm. that will not, does not happen for, for, for female leaders, me going over to his house, hanging out, like literally sitting on his couch, you know, he was making dinner, um, his wife was away and we were just hanging out, you know, the, all the informal stuff there cemented our relationship to the point where, you know, I left that week. I started that week. I don't know this guy. I left that week still to this day. He's one of my closest ministry friends. You know, we, we don't talk all the time, but when we do talk, it's like, we're right, right back in it. And like well, I said, you two have I, collaborated a lot over the years yes, around multi-site and yes. yes. Yeah. And that started from that. It started from mm-hmm. his generosity of saying, sure. Hey, why don't you come in and hang out? But again, I, I, le- I, I wish I could say, you know, I realized that that was some sort of unique privilege I had. I didn't, I didn't understand that. It was like I say, probably 15 years after that until I realized, oh, wait a second. Like I'm, you know, what was your experience? You were, you're friends with Jim. Yeah. Like, so, you know, yeah, I, have a, I have a story also. And I, just for the record, I want to say Jim Tomberlin is one of the most amazingly generous Incredible. leaders. And yes. he Incredible. has been a huge champion of mine. He's opened a ton of doors for me. And I know I could call him with a request and he would do everything he could to help me. But this was 20 years ago and I was in the same place you were. Oddly enough, I was uh, kind of leading the multi-site initiative at my church. Again, we didn't know what to call it. I was looking up, I was on in magazines, looking up church magazines Love for it. churches that had more than one address, trying to yes. figure out how to navigate this. And we were hearing rumors of places. And I'd been to Willow Creek to some of their conferences a couple of times. So I'm like, I they showed up in a magazine. And so I uh, mm-hmm. called up there and emailed and just said, uh, in fact, my whole orientation to it was so completely different than yours, Rich's, because mm. I looked up their services. Uh, I just planned to mm. go to a service. I uh, mm. stayed with my sister to save money because I didn't, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't really have a department. I had a girl title that I worked for the mm-hmm. executive team and I was charged with researching this. I didn't know right. that people could like request to hang out for a week. So I'm just going to go to a service at their campus. And I wow. did, uh, I think I left a, uh, voicemail or email and just gave Rich a heads up. I had no idea who he was and said, mm-hmm. I'm going to be there. I would love to just grab 15 mm-hmm. minutes of your time after service mm-hmm. to ask you a couple questions. And I went and I took pictures of everything and I, yes. you know, jotted down all the notes and learned oh, wow. how to hang a sign from the ceiling of a school and, you know, all those yes. early days. Um, and so it was great. And he was really helpful. He's probably stayed with us 45 minutes. I brought my sister with me because I didn't want to be mm-hmm. sitting with this guy, you know, just the mm-hmm. two of us. I didn't know what the dynamic mm-hmm. would be. And so, um, and that was great. And then I didn't talk to Rich again for probably 10 years. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, when we were sharing this story one time a few years ago, that's when I realized just maybe three years ago that, oh my goodness, people mm-hmm. had such different experiences. I didn't even know to ask for those things. I didn't even mm-hmm. know that shadowing a leader at a church was an option. I certainly never got invited to someone's dinner at their house till maybe five years ago when I wrote a book. And so, and uh, that isn't Rich's 
you know, that wasn't you, that wasn't Jim, that wasn't me. That was just the dynamic that we grew up in. And mm-hmm. all of those sort of experiences and habits, I would say one of my challenges as a leader has been to learn and ask questions and then ask for those kind of opportunities. Every time I've mm-hmm. asked someone says yes, and if I would have asked mm-hmm. Jim, he would have said yes. I really mm-hmm. just never thought of it. And right. Not only that, but to also offer that to people. Because when you grow up Mm -hmm. without a lot of those experiences, you don't know to Mm -hmm. offer them. It's kind of like parents who, you know, never said I love you or never heard Mm -hmm. that from their parents. They have to work extra hard to offer that to their kids. And so even in my Mm -hmm. own leadership, I've had to really challenge myself. Bring someone with you. Invite someone Mm -hmm. to come. Bring them to your house for dinner. You know, just Mm -hmm. all of those things that I think for many men, this is just how you grow leaders and how you do leadership. Mm -hmm. But for women who are kind of breaking in, these are brand Mm -hmm. new concepts. And we -hmm. don't know that world exists. We don't know to Mm -hmm. ask for it. And we certainly don't Mm -hmm. know how to offer it to other people. Yeah, that's so fascinating to me. Like, yeah, and it's humbling. You know, I think a part of that, it's, it is, um, Cause I, I don't, so it was odd. It was odd that it wasn't like there was lots of other people doing that. I remember him at the time I met with some guy there and he, and I was like, this is amazing. Like, I can't believe that, you know, you guys, you must get these all the time. And they're like, cause at that point, multi-site was like this weird thing that Jim right. was working on. I would on. say though, like, in church ministry, people were doing that. If you were a youth pastor, you could kind of like find yeah, the guy and go hang out. That's true. Yeah, no, that is very true. No, that's very true. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely true. Yeah, that's true. It's interesting. So Rich, um, over the years then, so you've kind of had this journey of of having mm. your mind expanded, thinking about it, reflected, but I also know you've been a pretty intentional champion for women in different environments and churches that you've been in. What are some of the actions that you have uh, considered and been intentional about and like purposefully done to open doors for women or advocate for female leaders that you think have um, made a good impact? Maybe some of the things you did that actually were terrible ideas. I'm sure people would love to hear about what not to do. Just kind of teach us from your experience with 25 years in the game. Like, What have you learned about how to do this and how you can leverage your uh, position and your authority to open doors for female leaders? Yeah, that's great. So um, there have been a number of things over the years. I think the general... Uh, what I've tried to do is be a vocal advocate for women, um, both with them directly, ironically, like I think there's a, um, like literally just today, I was in a podcast interview earlier where uh, there was an incredible woman that unpacked literally best in class stuff. Like I've never heard this stuff before. And after it goes off the air and, and she's like, Oh, was that, was that any good? Like, was that, you know, was this like, and, and I'm like, Oh, I've seen this before inside. I didn't say this to her. I, mm-hmm. I'm like, and so I was like, listen, what you just shared is the best stuff that I've ever heard any church leader share on this. Like, this is, mm. this is a big deal. Like it's, it's amazing what you're doing. And I know, um, you know, I, I, there's, I, I guess part of it with women directly, I've tried to find those moments to be like, I want you to know that what you're doing is amazing. Like it's in- incredible. And, and I want to make explicit what I know is implicitly true. Um, you know, I've also tried to be a, um, a willing advocate and ally with other men, with other guys. Um, you know, there was a church I, who I dearly love worked for and, you know, love them. And when we were engaged in the, before I went and worked there, you know, you're work working through all the different things that you're, you know, trying to figure out. And, um, one of the things that I bumped up against was their, 
um, you know, their theological conviction around women in leadership was different than mine. You know, they, they, they wouldn't use the word, the title pastor with a woman. Um, and they wouldn't, they limited, you know, the role of women in, in leadership. And so we talked about it before we went in and before I started, I was like, well, I just disagree with you on this. And like, so we need to talk about it. And we talked about it. We had like the let's open scripture and look at how we, you know, I said, listen, on my side, I'm, I'm willing to join because I don't, I don't think, and don't take this the wrong way, Katie, but like for them, it wasn't like a, a huge deal. It was just like, this is what we think. And like, we're not, they're not pounding it, but mm-hmm. it is like a, this is, this is where we are. This is our conviction. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm, if you're willing to hire me, knowing that I have a difference, you know, of thought on this and knowing that it's going to be something that's going to come up, like I'm, I'm going to talk about it, but I'm not going to talk about it all the time. Like, it's not like every meeting we're going to talk about these things, but don't be surprised when we bring it up. And so over the years, you know, the, there was a, there was a, a particular um, woman that was on our staff and, and I, this probably is, I was probably not that atypical of an experience, but she oversaw our kids ministry and was probably the most creative person on our team, like did um, just did amazing stuff. Like, and so I started by saying like, well, she does an amazing job pastoring young, you know, or the next generation. And that was like, what, what are you talking about? And I'm like, well, I know we don't call her a pastor, but like, that's actually what she's doing. Like we, we, we may not like, we may not use that word, but that is actually what it's hap- happening. Um, and you know, and sh- she was the kind of leader who was not like, I'm trying to, you know, she was not trying to go for the title. She wasn't like, Hey, I, this is a really big deal for me, but I, I was in that same kind of encouraging way. Like, man, you're doing an incredible job here. Great stuff. All that. And that led to a series of conversations over, it was probably, I was thinking about this before, like it was probably over 18 months to two years. Like this was not a like instantaneous thing. It was a protracted conversation um, where eventually it came to, it came to a head where it was like, okay, I either need to stop talking about it or they need to fire me or there needs to be some sort of change because it's, it's not, um, you know, we can't just keep talking about this. And so I, I, um, and, you know, eventually they did end up changing their position. You know, it ended up being like, Hey, we're, we're going mm-hmm. to, um, you know, we're going to take a different view on this. And actually to this day, they, you know, they've, they've done that, which is, um, and that's like a whole, there's a whole other conversation we can have there, particularly, I think in multi-site churches, I think there should be, man, there's, there's lots of opportunity, even if you would hold, you know, federal headship, the, you know, the most senior roles for men, even if you hold that to be true, um, man, there's still a lot of latitude. I personally think, um, and, and would challenge you to, to think about that and, and, and challenge you to, to think about it from like, what do you actually think about scripture? Cause I think this is one of those areas where people just kind of take, they just swallow what's been given to them. They haven't really thought about it. They haven't, they haven't processed it. And you could end up having a lower view of scripture. You just are like, I'm just kind of taking what's come to me. I haven't never actually wrestled with it. So that, you know, that was pretty dramatic. And the thing I love about that is there's a lot of incredible women who are serving in that church today who are, you know, doing, you know, and they, that, that woman that I told you about, that's like the most creative person on their team. She serves on their senior leadership team today. They're, you know, doing incredible, you know, incredible things. And the church is way better for it. Like, it's like Mm -hmm. the church is moving forward and reaching more people. Um, So yeah, that'd be a few of intentional things. But to be honest, I actually think although that was a little bit dramatic and that was with, you know, kind of advocating with guys, I actually find the, the kind of like both silent, like 
um, opening doors, like, Hey, why don't you, can you come and speak at this thing? Or like, can you be a part of this? Or can I serve the food instead of you? And the like trying to be encouraging along the way, I think actually has more impact. I think actually just saying to people, no, no, like it's going to be, it's going to be great. You can do this. You've, you've got this. Um, so I don't know. There'll be a few things. Oh, I love both of those stories. And there is something to be said for people who champion against the systems or, uh, you know, take on uh, women being paid less for the same work or whatever it is in your context that you see something's a little uh, inequitable equitable, or could use some championship that those systems and structures do open doors and have long-term effects. But uh, I do want to agree and highlight just that uh, affirmation to women that mm. what you're doing really matters, or you know your stuff, or you're good at this. You should keep doing this. Uh, we talk a lot about the sticky floor. I think we talked about that on the mm -hmm. podcast. It's kind of those thoughts mm -hmm. and ideas women have in their head that sort of keep them from having confidence or keep them from going mm -hmm. uh, for leadership opportunities. And if you want to listen to that podcast, uh, we'll put it in the show notes. Um, to see, mm -hmm. I delegated that to you on that. Uh, yeah, but, that's good. I love it. Yeah, well, and that's true though, because you know, and, I, and I'll say I don't know that I've said this publicly. I can't remember where I said this on the episode with you, but like, and I've said it to a number of. Uh, female leaders who have had on the podcast. When we first started the podcast, 746 episodes ago, Beth, who is like, this only happens because she works on it. She's amazing. Um, her and I, I was like, what I want to do is I want to have every other episode be one, one female, one male, one female, one male. And, and what I want to do is not, I want to have female leaders and not talk about the fact that they're female leaders, like just talk about oh, the amazing work I love that. That, that they're doing. And so I think we got five or six episodes in, like, and we ran out of women. Like I was like, yeah. I can't find, I can't find enough. And so I, you know, that's like super heartbreaking to me. Um, and, but interestingly, so over the years we've, you know, we, we probably pursue like of the, at those 750 call it episodes, like we've probably pursued 700 of those. Like it's, we mostly go and find people. And if we ask 10 guys to be on the podcast, Nine out of 10 will say yes. If I ask 10 women, it's probably seven or six will say, will say yes. Uh, if, and then um, women who express um, concern after like ask to either hear the episode or, cause obviously I don't want, I want people, I, this is not, I'm not like some hard hitting. I'm not trying, it's not gotcha journalism. I want people to walk away feeling great about it. And so I'll say that, Hey, just let me know. You know, there's probably, it's, it might be 10 X the number of women who express some sort of concern about the content to men. And so I, um, in my little world, I want to do what I can to try to turn that around. So I'm e even this woman I was talking about earlier today, I'm like, I had the same conversation with her and I'm like, please, can you send me, uh, women leaders? Cause I, we want to feature them more. Um, so, but it, I've, that to me has been a real stark example where, cause it's like statistically true. And I've been in all those conversations. I can, I can tell you that. And that there's a part of that, that frankly, like really bums me out. Like, I'm like, Oh, that's, that's a wide swath of the Christian world. Women leaders, particularly mm -hmm. who are feeling like not great about their own leadership or are, or, or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe guys are like just oblivious. They all think they're experts. I don't know what it is. Like it's some, there's, there's, there's a definitely a gender difference there that my experience has been that there's a gender difference. Um, and, uh, man, I'd love to turn that around and make that different for the next generation. Mm -hmm. I, I would love to create, I'm a Gen Xer born in 1974, the bottom of the bust. 
lowest birth rate in the 20th century. And so most of what I've been doing in my ministry is taking stuff from the boomers and giving it to, you know, millennials or Gen Z. And man, I would, I would really hope for women coming after us that this would be like, it's just a non-issue that like in 10 years, we, they would listen to this and be like, man, those people were so silly back then. <laughs> Why were they? I really hope that happens. That'd be great. I actually think that's going to happen. I believe that. I think, mm. uh, and one of the keys is, is what you're talking about. It's helping the women leaders who are doing it now uh, mm-hmm. think about themselves from a more truthful perspective. So uh, mm-hmm. part of this mindset is that high capacity female leaders are perfectionists and we want it to be great. Mm-hmm. And we know that mm-hmm. there's very few opportunities for us. This is actually research that shows up for any minority. Mm-hmm. And so we put extra pressure on ourselves. We don't want to do anything that's going to like embarrass us or embarrass you or mm-hmm. disappoint someone. So our standards are much higher than what most guys know that they can get away with. And so when you help me know, hey, what you did there was excellent. Like I might go, was it good enough? And you're like, that was actually an A. And I'm thinking if I could just get a C. And so every time a male leader, especially a godly leader, right? A Mm. spiritual authority person, a pastor speaks Mm. truth to me about me. It changes my own view of myself. The biblical example Mm. of this that I talk about a lot is Esther and Mordecai. You know, Esther Mm. is positioned by God to have this huge influence. And when it comes time, she second guesses herself. She's like, I'm Mm. not the person for the job. And everyone else knows she is. She can't see it. And it takes a Mordecai to step in and say, listen, who knows, but you have been put in this position for such a time as this. I see God's Mm -hmm. hand on you. I've seen him position you. This is exactly why you're here. Don't back down, lean in. And as women who grow up in circumstances, sometimes very similar to Esther, we can't see that for ourselves. And so Mm -hmm. thank you for doing that. And I just want to encourage everyone out there, men and women, any sort of leader, you know, the more encouragement, the more affirmation, the more we can identify and call out greatness in people, it really does help them see themselves better and opens more opportunities for their future from, from just who they are. Yeah, I would say, so this, um, one of the things I do in my life is I um, help run this uh, overnight kids camp. It's like this great curveball in this environment. People are like, "What?" It's like a whole other conversation, but it's it's great. It's fun. It's interesting. It's the it's the place that gave me my first kind of leadership um, opportunity, Amazing. and um, and so I'm happy to give back to that. It's an interesting piece of the puzzle. One of the things that I've done there is I pretty regularly with the guys, whenever we have like a chance to do, you know, like we're maybe just with the guy leaders is. I'll ask the question, uh, you know, or I'll say, you know, at some point you're going to realize that you're, you're the most powerful person in the room. It's classic Andy Stanley. You're the, you know, you're the most powerful person in the room. Yeah, that's going to happen in your life. And the question is, what are you going to do with it? How are you going to use that moment to serve yourself? Or are you going to use that moment to serve others? And, um, you know, I, I want to be counted as a leader who used that to serve other people, right? That, that mm-hmm. we like, Hey, we, I think that's what Jesus demands of us. I think, and you know, this is a part of a broader spectrum. We could be talking or a broader conversation around, you know, I'm a, um, I'm a white male, uh, you know, with, has had lots of privilege in his life. There's lots of things that I, when I look over the history of my life, just doesn't make sense. It's like, well, I think it's because it's just who I was. Right. And I, you know, I have the same conversation, you know, 10 years ago, had similar revelation with my black friends where, you know, I had someone Mm -hmm. challenge me around said, Hey, you know, sit down with a black friend and ask them to tell you about when, you know, their dad or their parents told them about what to, how to interact with cops, uh, have that conversation. And I'm like, what are you talking about? That's crazy. And so 
talked with a friend of mine, had this conversation over lunch. I said, listen, this is going to be a little uncomfortable. I'm so sorry, but I, I am trying to learn and grow. And this, this individual, I would say, came from a very similar background as mine. Like I would say like they're like they grew up in the suburbs, they're, you know, all of that stuff. And their experience interacting with the cops was different than my inner, 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 inner experience. And so now when I, if I get pulled over and it hasn't happened a lot in the last 10 years, but when I do get pulled over by cops, I take my wallet out, I take, turn the cars off. I put the keys on the, on the counter in front of me. I do all of that stuff that my black friend does because I'm like, I shouldn't have to, he shouldn't have to think about that. Like he shouldn't, that shouldn't have to be in his, his brain. And so, you know, I think this is a part of a, you know, as a part of a whole thing that I, you know, I think there's a personal journey, but I think it's a, it should be a journey in general. I think as Christ followers, as leaders who also happen to be in this case, white and male are trying mm-hmm. to figure out how do we use our power? How do we use that to right. help other people? Or, you know, because it's, because a bunch of it's been given to us. It's actually got nothing to do with me. It's not yeah, that. Yeah, we're, well, we're blessed to be a blessing, right? Like we're supposed yes. to be conduits of those things. And so um, when we recognize what we've been given, we are mm-hmm. more empowered to be able to give it away and multiply yeah, that for it. the kingdom. So, okay, as we wrap up here, one last question. I'd love to know what piece of advice you'd like to give to the guys uh, who are listening around this topic. And what one piece of advice would you like to give to women, female leaders who are listening? Um, well, I would say to guys in order, it's unfortunate, but to lead within the evangelical church, which most of the people who listen would call themselves, at least be small E evangelical. This area is going to require you to have some awkward conversations. Like it's, it doesn't, if it's not happening, if there's not a dialogue already taking place around these issues, it probably, you need to raise it. You need to raise your hand and say, Hey, like, can, can we talk about this? Like there's, cause this is a part of the world that we're in. Like this is, um, and, and it probably requires us as guys to pick up that ball and, and run with it. Um, that we can, um, get the ball rolling in a way that's different in the same way that that guy, Daryl, for me was like, Oh, that was like a paradigm shifter. Cause he's, he stepped out and like, that's a bit awkward, right. To say, to explain to someone, Hey, I, I don't want you to have to serve this meal all the time because I don't always want there to look like women are people who just serve meals. That's like an awkward thing to say, right? It's like, because you're like, well, I don't think of you like that. That's not what I'm saying. I don't actually think that's who you are. Like you can get all caught up in that, but I think we have to probably um, be, you know, we, we have to take the lead and, and do something here to, to lead some awkward conversations. It's probably going to take that. And then I think to women, I don't know, man, like I, there's just so many incredible women who lead in the church who are doing amazing things. And, um, you know, this past fall, my wife and I were, uh, we got a chance to travel to, um, HTV out in London and it was a great experience. And, um, you know, my, uh, there was multiple times where people had words of, um, knowledge kind of prophecy over her and they, which I don't know what you think about all that stuff, but that's fine. Just go with me here for a minute, friends. And, multiple of them pointed in the same direction. It was like, you have a voice, you should use it. You know, you have a mm-hmm. voice. And I, I'd say to women, like, like you have so much to offer. I, like I look at yes. the churches that have women empowered in them. And I'm like, those are such life-giving places where, where just so many good things are happening. And, um, you know, it's going to take you like stepping up in a weird sort of way to like, um, for that to, for all the good things that you have to offer. 
for those to happen. And I wish that wasn't the case. I wish just it was, I wish every church was just the place that kind of welcomed you. But in the same way that guys are going to have to have awkward conversations, like you're going to have to take advantage of opportunity that comes your way. Like you're, you're going to have to, um, you know, to stick your neck out a little bit and, um, and say yes, when someone asks you to be on their podcast, um, you know, you're, you're going to have to, you're going to have to do that. Um, because, because it's about modeling for the next generation. So like on that story about my, my wife, there's a young woman who's, um, on our staff at church and she's, she's in her early twenties and she's just starting out. And our church is very empowering to women. Um, but she's been saying to her, like, no, like, don't, don't feel stuck and limited. Don't, you know, don't feel like this is the box you've got to run in. You know, the sky's the limit. What church needs you, we need you to step in. And so, um, you know, I think we, we have to get beyond all the, just like the Billy Graham rule and all that stuff. Like there's so many, you know, you know, we've got to get to the place where we're like, how do we find a way for both genders to be fully alive and fully leveraging who we are, uh, to reach the people who, you know, God's put in our path. So, those would be a few things I would say. I love it. Well, and that's the goal. And we need we need men at the leadership table. We need women at the leadership table. The goal mm-hmm. is not to um, not uh, the goal isn't for the future to be female. The goal is for the future mm-hmm. to be together. That's what we're mm-hmm. really trying to do. And we both have to show up and say yes in order to do that. Mm-hmm. So, Rich, thank you so much for your uh, vulnerability and your authenticity and just speaking from your heart and being open for a you know crazy idea for me um, uh, to be able to have this conversation. I hope it really blesses people and encourages people to continue to lean into this topic. And uh, we both have resources on this subject. So if people Mm -hmm. want to learn more, please reach out to us. And uh, thanks so much. I just really appreciate your champion of women and your role in the kingdom. Yeah. Turning the tables back around on you, Katie. I, I, how can people get in touch with you? Because I know there are church leaders that are listening in that are saying, man, we need to uh, we probably need to do some work in this area. We need to think about this a little bit. Give us a frame of what that looks like. Some, they're almost three quarters of an hour in at this point. Well, give us a framework on, uh, you know, how can you help churches think through these issues? What does that typically look like? How do you engage and where can people get in touch with you? Yeah. So I did write a book specifically for church leaders on this called Developing Female Leaders. You can get it on Amazon or Audible. Uh, And then my website, katiecole.com, spelled K-A-D-I-C-O-L-E.com. I've got all sorts of resources and downloads. I coach people. I do consulting for churches. I speak at a lot of churches um, and would love to engage you if you want to move forward on this topic, whether it's with your elder board or your staff or your congregation on a weekend. Um, I'm very passionate about it and want to really help churches, you know, make the most of who God has brought to their congregation. Thanks so much, Katie. Appreciate you. Appreciate your ministry. Thanks so much for, uh, for interviewing me today. It was great. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Rich. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.